0: We're so glad you're here today to church on the hill. What a great day. Hallelujah. The heat's back working and we're ready to go. Anybody worship this morning? A mighty fortress is our God. We will turn our hearts to you. We will set our eyes on you. It's not just a song. It's a decision. Again, here we sit, we can sing the song or we can really turn our hearts to God. Turn your hearts to God, prepare your hearts. I tried to do this sermon last week and the Lord gave me something different, but today we're going to look at being down in the dumps, being depressed, being sad. (laughs) I did not. I did not. I did not, I promise. Dana goes, you did that. You, I did not did we plan anything did y'all do anything That's what a sound guy always says I didn't do anything <laughs> Sound guys the only the only uh, the only attention they get is negative attention If it sounds good it should sound good if it sounds bad it's the sound guy's fault I know what I've I've done it <laughs> We won't go down there all right I will tell you, when I when I gave my heart to serve the Lord, it's when he started opening the door. It may be in the children's department. It may be at Mustard Seed Ranch. It may be in the Bible drills. It may be on stage up here with us. When you start serving God with, with your heart, God will change you. God will do it. God calls you to serve him. Not to just come in here and sit and warm up you. Take up space. Do something. All right. The prophet Jeremiah we're going to look at the prophet jeremiah this morning to show us some hopefully some tremendous insight about depression in a christian's life do you know that christians can get depressed they can we we some some want to think oh we're christians we don't get depressed well where'd you read that no no we live in the world just like the unsaved live in the world we fall down and get boo-boos just like they do our our boo-boos have to heal just like theirs do, don't they? Many of us, have you ever heard this old spiritual song called sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today is some of these down times that we have. There was a, uh, uh, a cartoon in the newspaper a few years ago. It was Hagar the Horrible. Does anybody even remember the cartoons? That's what we used to have to do when there was only channels two, four, and five and we didn't have cable. And when mom and dad wanted to watch TV, you know, and when the president was on your whole night was shot, you know, every maybe channel eight, you might get Sesame street, which was better than the news as a child, but you'd read the comics. Hagar, the horrible Hagar was trying to pick up his depressed friend and he's trying to lift him up and encourage him. So he says, today, the world dumped on you today, the world humiliated you and abused you. But remember tomorrow is another day. And then they show his friend, just (laughs) in his hands. You know, oh no, not another day of this. You know, it's hard to get it through words. I was hoping I could find it, but I couldn't. But he falls down and sob. Let's look at what depression is. Battling depression. That's where we are going to be the next few weeks. Depression is not a new problem. This is not new. It's not something that just happened this week. It's not something that's only common to the fast paced society in which, in in the society that we live in. From the very beginning, people have been depressed. The psalmist asked the question to his own soul. Why art thou cast down within me, O my soul? He looked down deep within him and said, why am I so depressed? Why am I so cast down? Hippocrates, the ancient physician, because of depression being so common in his day, he, he wrote this thing on the, the melancholy spirit. Depression has been around forever. It's not new. It's not some new thing that just has happened to you. What else is it? It's universal. It's no respecter, respecter of persons, places, or cultures, or times. It's not something that just happens to the pressure-packed middle Tennessee we see a lot of things that are written about depression. you know, if you pick up a reader's digest, they had an article that said how to beat a bad mood. That's good. How to beat a bad mood. It said feeling low, try these moon mood and mood lightening techniques. By the way, did anybody see the full moon this morning? Wasn't that amazing? Awesome. I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm 39 years old, and I can't remember ever seeing it shining that bright, that full, that late in the morning. I'm sure it has. But, Steve, as I was going to pick you up, that's what I saw. And, you know, the Lord's just revealing himself to me. That's the way I see that. But here we go. Uh, how to beat a bad mood. They gave five things to beat a bad mood. And you know what? I am not a depressed person. I'm a pretty optimistic person. So uh, just to see if you can laugh at these or if these just strike, strike home with you. If you exercise, that will help you keep out of depression. Does that, amen. Everybody else is like, that just makes me more depressed. (laughs) To my workout queen over there, yes. You know what? She's right. She's right. Go see Miss Cindy. It'll help you get out of depression. If you exercise. Another one says, use color. Color can be a nutrient for the mind. It, it also says stay away from red. I don't know what that means. I guess sharks are attracted to red. Bulls. Okay. I guess if you're depressed, red makes you more depressed. Let me just give my expert expert advice. Stay away from black. Uh, it said try music if you're depressed. It tells you to kind of work your way out of your depressed mood through music. It says, eat right. That one will depress you also, won't it? Uh, don't drink caffeine. <laughs> Cindy. No diet, Mountain Dew. Whatever. My, my, uh uh-uh. uh. No, you're meddling now. Yeah, no. Too soon, too far. Next, it says, lighten up. Now, I can agree with that one. Anybody gets around me and is real heavy, heavy-hearted and heavy mooded I'm usually just want to say, man, take it easy. Take a deep breath. It is not that bad. Can I say that to you? God is on the throne. We have lost focus when we are ready to turn inside and give up. And don't think because I'm an optimist that I don't have struggles. And I'm not perfect. Don't, don't get me wrong either. It almost makes me worry as I <laughs> preach on this. Lord, where am I? what am I going to have to walk through this week because I'm preaching on this? No, nothing. The Lord's with me. The Lord's with you. Lighten up and think positive. Those are probably pretty good words of advice from the world. But this morning, I want to take you into Jeremiah and talk about talk about it. How do we handle it in the Christian world and try to come up with some answers for ourselves? You know, in looking at our prayer list from week to week, I realize that a lot of people are discouraged and have so many difficulties and problems in their life. A National Scientific Survey said that 14 million Americans are deeply depressed. The article went on to say that 15% of them will experience major depression to the point of attempting suicide. I also read that 20% of children are depressed. And that's a depressing statement. But finally, depression doesn't care who you are. It doesn't just come to the lower classes of people. It doesn't just come to people who've lost their jobs or poor. In fact, if you can remember back in 1986, Republican Senator John East of North Carolina, Carolina, when he realized he had a thyroid problem, committed suicide. And in the midst of the Iran-Contra Contra scandal, when it broke, Robert McFarlane, who's known as Bud McFarlane, National Security Advisor under President Reagan, tried to commit suicide also, just before he was about to testify. Winston Churchill, during World War II, He would come on the radio and encourage people never to give up. And then when the radio was turned off, he literally sunk into days of deep depression. Charles Spurgeon, probably one of the greatest orators and preachers that has ever graced a pulpit, had a life filled with depression. Here's what Spurgeon said about depression. Just hang in there with me. He said, before any great achievement, some major depression usually comes upon me. Such was the case when I first became pastor in London. My success appalled me, and I thought of the career which seemed to open up so far from me, lading me, casting me to every lowest step until I uttered my misery and found no room for Gloria in excelsis. Who was I that I should be needed to lead such a great multitude? I would rather go to a village of obscurity or immigrate to America and find solitary find a solitary nest in the backwoods where I might be sufficient for the things that are demanded of me. It was just then when the curtain began to rise upon my life's work that depression set in and the Lord was preparing me for a larger blessing in my ministry. If you go through the word of God, you will see that many of the greatest men in the Bible It will speak of them battling depression. Moses asked God to take his life. So did Job. Elijah, after Mount Carmel experience, asked that he would be slain. Do you remember? He had just seen, he had just prayed for fire to come down and to consume all his enemies, all these uh, priests of Baal, all these idol worshiping leaders. And he's seen this miracle. And what happens? Jezebel shows up and he runs off and becomes depressed. I'm I'm not about to say that isn't what I would do, but man, couldn't you could you imagine seeing those miracles and then forgetting God was able to handle Jezebel too? We're not alone. You are not damaged goods. We experience this. These great men, these prophets. I don't know that anybody did more greater miracles than Elijah. What, what I'm trying to say is, we're okay. We're okay. Now, hang in there with me. If you go through the word of God, you'll see this. Jonah wanted God to do away with him after Nineveh. And Saul, the king of Israel, was so depressed, he not only eventually lost his own life, but all most of his colleagues around him. But of all these major characters that I've mentioned, I want to focus in on the life of Jeremiah, because more than any other, it gives us a picture of what happens to a godly person when they're depressed. Jeremiah 20. If you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah 20. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I just encourage you to follow along with me. You know, this book was written as though Jeremiah thought no one would ever read it. It was written like a diary. It was written like, I'm going to write this down and no one else will ever see it again. It's just for me. And you know, if you ever read Jeremiah, especially chapter 20, it's kind of like he broke into his diary because Jeremiah writes as if he thinks God is his only audience. So he tells God exactly how he feels with incredible honesty and integrity. Well, let's look at this. What are the reasons God's people become depressed? Number one, we believe God has let us down. We believe God has let us down. It's a fact of life that depression hits many of us if we ever feel that God has not held his end up of the bargain. Look at verse 7, Jeremiah 20, verse 7. It says, O Lord, you've deceived me, and I was deceived. You've overpowered me and prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. Excuse me. Can you see when, and and basically, this is just a big statement of saying, I'm depressed because you've deceived me. God, you've deceived me. Psychologists will tell you that one common thing in almost every kind of depression is disappointment. People become depressed when they're disappointed, high expectations boy, you're just expecting things to turn out this way. You went to your new job interview and you thought for sure it was yours, only to find out it wasn't. Boy, the future looked so good that you were planning that trip, only to find out that it wasn't going to work out. Disappointment is a trigger that causes many people to sink into depression, and that's really true in Jeremiah's life. Now, I, I, I try to just give you little examples of what I do in my life, and I've I, I, I I certainly don't have it all together, but something that I've learned to just say to myself is things just don't work out like I expect them to. Doesn't necessarily mean I failed. Doesn't mean I missed it, but from the small things to the big things, well, that just didn't work out like I thought and it's okay. I've still got to push through going and hiding and running from it is only going to leave it there to only grow, to be bigger than it was. But if I will push on through, how, how many of you have realized the problems that you had a month ago, you don't have anymore. Somehow you've gotten through them. Somehow you paid that bill. Somehow you got through that relationship issue. Now it's something else, but you need to look back and the ones that, that you sought God through, you probably came through better than the ones that you tried to get through on your own. Realize right now what you're facing, you can get through. You can. God's grace is sufficient for what you are walking through. And you can do it. I've also learned that when I get to my breaking point is usually when God comes through. I don't necessarily like that mentality, but I'm not God. Why, why is it that when I get to my breaking point, God comes through? Because I truly rely on him. I have to get to a point where I truly rely on him. The prodigal son, breakthrough didn't come until he had to truly go back to the father. And not just breakthrough came to him, full restoration came to him. Do you not think he was depressed? He could have stayed in there with those pigs, but he didn't. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I'm going to go face it. And I'm going to go to the one I know was supposed to take care of me. And regardless of what he does, it's better than where I am. The great thing is, God, it's like when I started praying that, that uh, Brother Dwight started sharing, God knew what was right and started to take care of it. Unbeknownst to me where he was going to take me. A lot of times, if I'd known where he was going to take me, I'd have ran the other way. But it wasn't my job to know what he, where he was going to take me. He knew where I needed to go. God knows where you need to go. He's just waiting for that moment, whether it's at your end of your rope or in the middle of your rope, where you're going to truly trust him. And he's going to deliver you. This message isn't a message to help identify the points on how to get out of depression. It's the message to tell you, turn to God. I hope every message I give you is not just five steps on how to have a successful life. It's the, it's one step. Turn to God. Turn to God. Just expect, I expected things to turn out differently than that. Okay, they didn't. You say, pastor, how come Jeremiah felt deceived? Well, you got to go back to the beginning of the book of Jeremiah. And you see that Jeremiah was predestined by God to be a great man. In his mother's womb, God said, I'm going to raise up Jeremiah. Throughout the Bible, there, are those, there, there were men like Jeremiah and John the Baptist who were predestined to be great men of God. In Jeremiah 2, when God called Jeremiah into the ministry, he said, Jeremiah, I'm like a living spring. The country of, the country of Israel is a dry, parched ground. They are barren and thirsty, but Jeremiah, you preach the word because I'm a living spring. God was calling him. It was as though God was saying, as you preach the word, living waters will begin to flow out into Israel. And I will come into dry plants and things will begin to happen. So Jeremiah started off his ministry with this great word that God was going to bless him immediately. Isn't that how we read that? We get a word and we think it is not even tonight, right now. You know, Elizabeth had a dream this morning. I'm not going to share it. Pam Walton had a word for me this week. I'm not going to share it. But it's one of those like, yeah, right now. The The waters aren't parted. God, did I miss you? No, no. God's just just trying to get me ready, trying to get you ready, trying to get us ready as a church. We're not ready. When we're ready, God will do it. God's faithful to his word. We've had many words spoken. I want you to know it's coming. It's his word. And we're pursuing after him. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. The word you had, amen. The dream you had. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. But until you do, I'm coming after you. We're coming after you. Jeremiah started off his ministry thinking, now, do you see the high expectation that Jeremiah had? Can you imagine with Abraham being told they were going to have a baby? The expectation that he had, it probably went from humor to expectation. He laughed, they laughed, Sarah laughed and got spanked a little bit. And then expectation. But it didn't happen right away, did it? He's looking for God to do these great things in his life. And by now, Jeremiah has been preaching for 20 years and nothing's happened. He's getting a little weary of all this preaching. And it's interesting that he speaks of God as a deceptive spring or brook. You know, when when he talked that day about a dry or deceptive stream, everybody in Israel knew what he was talking about. There were ravines and, and brooks in that country that during the dry season would dry up to complete rocks at the bottom. He was saying, God, I started off with this ministry like you were going to be a living stream in my life. And it's been 20 years. And all I'm finding are these deceptive streams. There's just no water. There's just barren valleys. It's dry. It's dusty. And it's not happening like I think it would. Can you relate? Are Are you thinking, God, where are you? This doesn't make sense. Let's get off Jeremiah just for a second. Let's look at us. Every one of us, if we would be honest this morning, could point to times in our lives when we've been disappointed with God. I mean, times where we've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. Talking about a couple who's come to the altar to get married and they're equally yoked. They're both Christians, but six months later, their marriage just isn't working out like they thought. You think you get the the dream job and, and it falls through. You know, that's tremendous disappointment. Those people who have put God first in their life and when the offering plate comes around, they put their tithe check in, but instead of getting a promotion, they lose their job. They're scuffing their feet and hanging their head and saying, no, Malachi 3 promised that the windows of heaven are gonna open. But if we be honest this morning, every one of us have been disappointed, almost feeling set up by God. Now, isn't that true? I'm talking about this because it's common. If you think you're the only one getting getting set up, then you're going to sink into self-pity that you never can get out of. You are not alone. And as we we continue this, I want you to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm done, I'm going to close. I'm going to show you the next The next uh, step, I'm just going to show it to you, and this is where we're going to pick up next week. People are depressed because we experience repeated rejection. I just show you that to, to bring you back. I hope that's a page turner for you. I hope it doesn't make you run off. But I want you to know where you have come to today, you can get through. You can get through. No mountain, no hill is too big enough, is, is too big for God that his right arm can't save you. It's easy to hear it said up here, but I want to encourage you. Turn your heart to God. Whatever small turn you may make, God will meet you. God will give you breakthrough. You may have never had a relationship with God. Maybe you gave your heart as a child, but no relationship was ever formed. I want to encourage you this week to just try one thing. Try to talk to God like you would your spouse or like you would your parent. And let him know what's going on in your life. Let those feelings and those emotions that you have, speak them out. There is power in in getting to talk. That's why psychologists mainly they do is just listen. Because there's such healing in talking. Just getting off your chest what's going on in your life. Talk to God this week. Lord, I'm battling this. My mind is here. I'm really struggling here. Help me. David in the Psalms is such a great way to come clean with God. He would just say, these people are after me. And he'd be ugly. Kill them. Don't, don't pray that over him. But he would. He'd say, kill them. What I want to encourage you through, if you would just go pick up the Psalms and read. He talked to God and let him know what he was going through. The king who didn't need anybody. The king, the leader was the man who had a, who had, who was the man after God's own heart. No matter how big, how small, how important, how unimportant you think you are. Talk to God. You are important to God and talk to him. Get that stuff off your chest. And if it doesn't relieve the first day, do it again the next day and the next day. And keep asking for help. Get in your word. Get some praise and worship. You know, just I, that sounds like we're going through the motions. We're not. You are positioning yourself for the Lord to move in your life. All I did was just start physically praying out loud over myself and my family. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done regardless of what I want. When my heart truly meant it, I believe, is when God started to do it. You know what? I can't say the first time I prayed it, I really meant it. I thought I did. But the more I prayed it, the more it became true. Amen. Can we do that? Turn to God this week. There is no reason why you have to walk through this week depressed. No reason. No reason xanax or whatever i'm not trying to tell you not to take your stuff but i want you to know god can do better than xanax take your take your medication i'm not telling you not to take it but take it with the lord the lord will get you free of it amen stand up with me and let's pray father i just thank you for today lord i can genuinely feel that you are giving us breakthrough. Lord, I know that your word is true, and I know that when we turn to you, Lord, that you come. That when we attempt, even attempt to draw near to you, you draw near to us. And, Lord, that's what I believe happened with me through Brother Dwight's message, is when I attempted to come to you, you came to me. Lord, I just ask that this church body would attempt, would, would, would just try to come to you. Lord, I know that you're going to come to our rescue. Lord, help us. Help us to get out of this dark uh, pit of despair. And Lord, to come into the light. You may be here today and you have never given your heart truly to Jesus Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity. Just right where you sit. You just come clean before the Lord and just say, Lord, I've been playing games. I truly give my heart to you today. I desire to seek and to serve you better than I have been. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Restore me to what you desire for me in my life. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done over my life, regardless of what that means. Now, Lord, I just speak over this congregation that you would do it, that you would move in power. You may be here today and you just need prayer. Those that are praying with me this morning, would y'all come on forward? I want you to know God is a healer. We had a testimony last week of a miraculous healing. I believe we've had another healing through uh, Greg Key and over his heart in the hospital this week. Lord, I just, uh, just want to encourage you, church. If you're having a health issue and you want prayer, I want to encourage you, step out. For my God is a healing God. He is Jehovah Rophi, the Lord, our healer. Maybe you're just having a relationship issue. Maybe you're having a job or a financial issue that you want prayer for. Would you step out this morning and let us pray for you in Jesus' name? Amen.